Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 is where we want to take off tonight. We've been talking the last several weeks about this this idea, this principle of, of stewarding the divine, stewarding the supernatural. We've been talking quite a bit about the spiritual, the supernatural, and um, I hope that it's bringing some greater clarity for you, some greater understanding. Um, Of course, we don't live in the spirit capacity as far as what we can see, what can literally be sensed. And, and, And sometimes if we're not careful, the gift of the five senses Uh, can limit our capacity to be led by and respond to the Spirit of God. We can see, we can hear, we can feel, we can touch, right? We can taste. There's there's all these things, and these are given to us by God. They're not given to you uh, to, to limit or restrict. They're given to you to enhance what God wants to do. But we have to understand that God is Spirit. Even what we were just doing in worship, uh, many times we can reduce that down to just the physical sense or the natural element of raising our hands, clapping our hands, lifting our voice, uh, the feelings that we may get from that or uh, the sound uh, that's taking place, whether it be from the worship team or the corporate body. Doesn't it just sound good when we're all just singing in one accord? And look, if you don't enjoy praise and worship, if you're just waiting for that to, to get done uh, and get to the this quieter part, you're going to have a hard time in heaven. Let me just tell you, it's going to be a real boring place to you because there's a lot of praise taking place, a lot of worship, um, and, and, and honestly, they just keep singing the same song over and over and over because every time they come back around that throne, they see another side of God, and it's just holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, and, and so praise and worship is a, a powerful element, a powerful part of the, the Christian life. And again, what we get to do corporately. But none of these practices, none of these elements of our lives were designed to, to be the end all. We're designed to just be the experience that we have on this earth is just worship songs and reading the Bible and a prayer life and then whatever I can gauge with my five senses. You are a spirit being. Say that with me. Say, I am spirit. I possess a soul and I live in a body. Your body is your vehicle. Your body is what gives your spirit access in the earth. You lose the vehicle, you lose the spirit. It's that simple. So we got to take care of this house, amen? You know, there, there was a day where, you know, ministers made a real big deal about your spiritual growth and your spiritual development and your spiritual feeding, but we weren't given the same attention and value and honor to our physical bodies, and they were dying off. They were extremely overweight. They didn't give any care to taking care of their bodies. No no exercise, no uh, uh, movement, no taking care of, of what you can see and the organs you can't see. And you lose the house, guess what? The spirit's gone. Your spirit does not have access in the earth without the body. Why? Because in Genesis 1.26, he says, let man have dominion. Let man rule. Well, man is a three-part being. 
So even in, in that, we have to understand that there is a value too. There is a necessity to understand the component of the physical. But what we're focusing on is getting beyond the physical, not eliminating the physical, enhancing the physical and its connection with the spiritual. Is that making sense? So we're given a, a, a hyper awareness, if you will, hyper focus to the spirit realm and receiving supernaturally what God has for us. I was alluding to John chapter four when God says, or when Jesus says, uh, you will, God is spirit and you will worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. So guess what? Natural worship isn't even making contact with God. I'll say that again. Natural worship alone isn't even making contact with God. He says the way you worship God is in spirit. So apparently there's a value, there's an understanding that we need to have with the supernatural. And what we have and the things that we use and the things that the gifts and the abilities. We we tell our worship team all the time that it's both spiritual and natural. Now, if you're up here just to play an instrument and perform and entertain and show off, you're not going to be up here because you have lost the whole reason and purpose why we do what we do. But you know what? There's a lot of people that have great heart with little skill naturally, and they won't be up here either. And you are thankful for that. American Idol shows us all what it looks like when you've got a lot of heart with little ability. It's funny to watch but it's not going to help the presence of God. Why? I mean, go look in the Old Testament. Bring me the best craftsmen to build my temple, the most skilled laborers. And then when we get to the instruments, they ask for the skilled musicians, not just anybody grabbing a harp or whatever and just, I'm worshiping under the Lord. Yeah, you are, but go do that somewhere else. Go worship the Lord on your own right? Because he's got the capacity to hear what he wants to hear. Apparently, you and I are a little more limited than that. No, so it's both. It's spiritual and natural. We're not eliminating one over the other. And so we're talking about this idea of stewarding the divine. Stewardship is just this, maintaining what doesn't belong to me, managing someone else's, managing the affairs of another. That's stewardship. You know, stewardship is a big deal to God. Psalms 24 tells us the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So who does this planet, who does this earth, everything in it, who does it belong to? It belongs to the Lord. It belongs to God. He says, even those things that are in it, that's you and I. Let me tell you something. If you don't value people, you are discounting something that God values extremely. For God so loved the world, not Christians, not believers, not the ones that do it right, get it right, sound right, act right, look right, smell right. Come on. God so loved the world. We don't get to go around and assign value to people. I'll say that again. You and I do not reserve the right to go around and assign value to people. Now, the world does this. The world determines this. The world looks at people based on outward appearance, behavior, professionalism, experience, credentials, degrees, you name it, skill set, ability, whatever. 
But God doesn't assign value that way. And so the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But he's given the earth to you and I to manage, oversee, and take care of, to maintain. That's stewardship. If you rent a home, you don't own the home, but you are required to take care of it as if you own the home. What I love about stewardship is that there is a level of control. There is a level of responsibility. I love what uh, Reverend Tony said on Sunday, that our liberties are tied to our responsibilities. We live in a culture that wants all the liberties with little responsibility. And that's a dangerous way to live. Just find your nearest teenager. <laughs> Liberty with little responsibility. But you know what? As you prove more responsibility, guess what I can give you? More liberty. Isn't that amazing? And if you prove less faithful, less uh, 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 stewarding, guess what? The response, if you don't manage the responsibilities, the liberties get removed as well. It's called, uh, you know, whatever you call it in your house, grounding, taking away devices, quiet time, right? And this happens even at the smallest capacities. Austin, he's only two and a half years old, or two and a half year old. And you know what? If he he's got responsibilities, man. You ain't come on. I love that one uh meme that said, when your your kids say you don't ever get me anything for Christmas, just put a bow on the light switch and, and put a ribbon uh, you know, on the light bulbs and uh, around the water tap, and uh, I've gifted you all this all year long. Just didn't have a pretty bow on it, right? No, so there are liberties that come with the responsibilities. And as you can manage the responsibility, then you are given more liberty. This is the stewardship that we're talking about. And when we talk about the divine, I think I said this last week along these lines that it's not about what we can obtain, it's about what we maintain. The obtaining, I'll just take you a a, a real quick parable, Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Three individuals were given three measures of talents, five, two, and one. And their ability, their faithfulness proved what they could handle and what they could be given. He says each one was given according to his ability. You right now in your life are proving to the Lord what you can handle. And you might feel like, but Lord, I can handle this. And he's saying, well, but I'm only seeing Always take it back to, right? We're talking about value. We're talking about honor. And many times we think we value something more than we really do. And the way that I value it and the way I honor it is revealed in how. How I steward it. How I care for it. How I manage it. And if I'm just burying stuff that he's given me, he's going to come back. He called that individual a wicked and lazy servant. He said, you you ought to have least put it in the bank. We're all proving faithfulness in our lives right now. You know, the great thing about faithfulness is you can do it right now. You don't need a degree. You don't need to make a certain amount of money. You don't need to be recognized at work. You can be faithful right now. It doesn't take any skill. It's just a matter of will I handle, manage, oversee, take care of what the master's put in my hands. Amen. So we're talking about this issue of honor. Last week we were diving into what do we honor? 
And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves valuing the byproduct of a thing more than the thing that brings the byproduct. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. But how many times do we find ourselves chasing all the things that are added? When he says, man, if you would just value and honor my kingdom and my word, that's righteousness, alignment with his word, you'll find that all this other stuff that you're looking for, it'll come running you down. The Lord gave me this after we, after we drove off the proper, uh, property, of course. Uh, you know, it wasn't good enough to get it in service in the moment. Maybe you, it was too much last week and you needed this week. He asked me this question, do we want a move of God? Or do we want the God of the move? Do we want a move of God? The results, the flashy, the stories, the revival, the awakening, right? Or do we want the God of the move? Because guess what? If you go after the God, you get the move. But the Bible is clear and, and time is, history is proven. You can go after the move and it's not always God. We saw that with Simon the sorcerer. He's trying to occupy just the results. I'll pay you for that. There's many times maybe we're not forking over cash for something, but we're trying to find a shortcut to get to the result when God's saying, if you come to me, I'll bring the move. You come to me, I'll bring the results. You come to me, I'll bring the healing. I'll bring the deliverance. I'll bring the power. I'll bring whatever you're looking for, needing in your life, the provision. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are we valuing? What are we looking for? Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running. L listen to this man's posture. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him. I mean, so far, we're off to a great start. He's running after Jesus, kneels before him, recognizing his lordship, recognizing his authority, and is asking him. I'm not telling you, I'm asking you. You ever get told stuff? It's like, well, why don't you just ask? You've already come to a conclusion. You've already got the answer. I could have helped you with, I could help you process this out. I could help you think through that. And so, so far we're doing good. He came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Great question. You know, at least he's interested. This would be like an unbeliever coming to you and saying, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get what you have? I want to go to heaven when I die, or I want to live a blessed life, or I want to uh, serve your God, or whatever that is. Off to a great start so far. He's running, he's kneeling, he's asking. He calls him good teacher. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, not what most pastors would respond with. I, I don't know that I would respond with this. I would have been like, here's the volunteer card. Here's the vision partnership card. Let's get you signed up. Where do you want to serve? Uh, you know, let's get you plugged in, man. Let's get you connected, right? This is the guy that we call the rich young ruler. That's what every pastor wants. A rich person with that's young. And has influence, right? Rich young Rome. I mean, he's, he's, he's checking off all the boxes, guys. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have answered him. 
that that's why he's Jesus. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, he says. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, watch this. All these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, here it is, loved him. Loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. I mean, he's doing pretty good. He's just got one thing. I feel like I would get a laundry list. I want, to, I want to inherit eternal life. All right, here's five things you need to get straightened out real quick. You know? He's like, one thing you lack. But how do you know, how many of you know, sometimes the one thing is the most important thing. One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come. Take up the cross and follow me. It says that he was sad at this word, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We're talking about value, talking about honor, talking about stewarding what we need to steward to see God move. This rich young ruler came with the right approach. He's asking the right questions. He comes running. He's pursuing after. He comes kneeling. He's submitting to, it looks like. He says, good teacher. He's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds quickly with a question and says, why do you call me good? Because this is the issue. What Jesus is trying to identify or help him see is You are calling me good according to your standard of good. This is the thing. When we come into the kingdom, God will quickly begin to help us redefine our idea of good. He'll quickly begin to help us see that even what we think is good, we have no idea how good it really is. He's trying to help this guy understand that there is a whole nother level to me. No one is good except for God. Immediately he goes to what? The source. He goes right back to the source. Because remember, his question is, how how can I inherit eternal life? We just talked last week. We just refreshed our memory. There's a byproduct, and there's something that brings the byproduct. He wants the eternal life. This is a man that knows how to invest. This is a man that knows wealth. This is a man that knows value in a monetary sense and probably the simplest terms to understand value. This is a man that knows how to gain. This is a man that knows how to get. This is a man that knows how to keep. This is a man that knows how to get more of something. This is an investor. This is Jesus knows that this guy is going to understand some principles that maybe others wouldn't see and wouldn't grab a hold of. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good. He's saying there's a whole nother standard to this good, and I want to show you that. But many times 
We come to Jesus, we come to God, we come in the kingdom with our approach, with our idea. And God always wants to help you get beyond where you're at right now. And this is what this young man's going to find out. Is, is your idea going to get in the way of what God wants to do? There's a lot of people right now that are crying out for revival. There's a lot of people that have seen revivals, experienced revivals. You know, if I, if I were, you know, to, to ask you some, maybe you're familiar with some moves or dispensations or different things that have, that have happened. I, I heard one minister put it uh, this way recently. He says, God doesn't recycle revival. He's doing a new thing. But the problem is, is I'm going into the new thing with the idea of the old thing, and I'm thinking, good. I'm thinking, great. I'm thinking, God, why won't you do that again? Why won't you heal like that again? Why won't? And so, again, it's our expectation that becomes the limitation. It's our idea that boxes God in. And so I cannot value what God wants to give me because what I have gained, now we're talking about stewardship in the sense of it limiting us. I don't want what I have gained, what I have experienced, what I have been through, what I have received to keep me from what is yet still in store. God is wanting to open up our eyes in this dispensation, in this time, in these last days to things that are bigger, greater, better than anything we've ever already experienced. But some of us have lulled back into sleep, set back in the good old days, the way it was, the way it was. And look, those are great things to remind yourself of. God intended for the Red Sea to be a reminder to the Israelites, I can give you the promised land too. But the promised land was far greater than just getting across the Red Sea and watching your enemy drown in the water. (laughs) He's trying to get them to something way more vast, way more expansive, way greater. And they're coming to him with their idea of, good. And so right offhand, he's, he wants to redefine good for this young man. I've got to get you beyond what you've experienced. I've got to get you beyond what you have. Thank God we have experienced. Thank God we have seen. Thank God we have heard. But there's a lot of people that have, have heard a word that can't hear a word. And Romans 10, 17 doesn't say faith comes by having heard. Doesn't say that. It says faith comes by hearing. And that word hearing is a continual hearing, an ongoing hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I need to continually posture myself. Hey, what I've seen so far, man, it's been awesome, but I know that there's more in store that you got. And I'm not trying to measure what you're going to do against what you have done. Amen. Good teacher. Oh, you don't even know good yet. I've got so many. I've got good plans, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil. But I want I want my good. I want, let's just put it this way, I want God to define good for me. And if it's not God, then it's not good. 
I want him to define what's good. The world will try to sell you on good. They will try to sell you on what looks good, sounds good. And I was sharing this with my wife this past week. One thing that uh, I love about that revival that was taking place at that college campus um, that I thought was funny was they legitimately, authentically were able to have happen what recording artists have tried to make happen. I mean, I don't know how in tune you are with a lot of that, but uh, a, a lot of the, the albums and, the, and the, the, even the Christian music stars, that's who, obviously who I'm talking about, the Christian music artists. You watch a lot of their music videos or their soundtracks. It's a lot of live. It's a lot of broken down, like just the core essentials, acoustic, very simple settings with people standing around. And they were trying to make something happen where this college campus got it to happen on a tenth of the budget (laughs) with way less effort. And God literally showed up in the middle of it. You know, these are the things we got to understand that God is not trying to see how good we can do it and then say, okay, I'll show up. He's trying to find out how stripped away will you get so I can show up and you'll recognize me and man won't get the glory for it. Because man can't get the glory for what took place in that car. Because they, they, they didn't have the lights. They didn't have the screens. They didn't have the projection. They didn't have the sound. They didn't have the equipment. They didn't have the artists. In fact, they were telling the artists, no, don't come here. I love this. God is like, I will get the glory. Don't try to define me by your idea of good. I'm trying to give you eternal life. And if you're, if eternal life only measures up to what you think, you're going to be sadly disappointed. You're going to be greatly disappointed because your good can't even touch what I can do. It'll leave you empty. It'll leave you wanting more. It'll leave you unsatisfied. So the first thing we see is he's trying to redefine good for this young man. The next thing he says is, you know the commandments. So he's acknowledging this this young man is adhering to the the principles, what what we could call today simple, uh, you know, Christian life, Christian culture, Christian behavior. And if we're not careful, as we've talked about a lot, these things, these items, although they're important, they'll just become a religious checklist. And Jesus has no uh, qualms with identifying, hey, you know the scripture? Why don't you feel that you've already acquired what you're telling me you're looking for? He's helping him understand that even keeping the rules and checking the boxes, it's still leaving you empty. You know the commandments. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not bear false doctrine. Do not commit adultery, he goes on down the list with them. The Ten Commandments, the religious activity. And so, again, if we're not careful, our value system will be centered around what we do rather than who we're really engaging. He's got rules, but he doesn't have relationship. He's got the to-do list. He's got the items. He's got the activity. It looks successful to everybody else. Yet you're still coming to me 
saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You're still left with the longing, I'm missing something. You know, this, this is at the core of, of every religious person. This is at the core. At the end of the day, when it's just them and God, they know there's still more. There's something I'm missing. Now, again, God's not abolishing the law. Jesus said, I'm not, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Meaning that everything that you think you're keeping and everything you think you're doing and all the boxes you think you're checking, I'm here to help you check those boxes. I'm here to help you fulfill the law and be righteous in the eyes of my Father. I'm the one that will present you as a spotless uh, presentation, a spotless bride. I'm the one that can satisfy that. Not the, but I did this and I did that. The religious activity will always leave us empty. These items are to be valued. They're just not to be prioritized above a relationship with the Father. You know, I I mentioned last week uh, in uh, John where Jesus said, this is an evil, a wicked, and adulterous generation. What does that mean? That means that they wanted the results of a relationship without the relationship. What is an adulterous relationship? It's all the pleasures of a married life without the commitment to the relationship. So if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we will have an adulterous relationship with religion. We will cheat on Jesus with rules and get the feelings that it gives us, the feelings of I'm doing it right, the feelings of I've reached, the feelings of I've acquired, the feelings of I'm better than that person. It'll give you the feelings, but at the end of the day, there's no commitment engaged. There's no real commitment. You're more in love with the keeping the rules than you are with the one that's making the rules. Y'all doing all right? Seems like every Wednesday it gets real tight in here at some point. We squeeze this thing in. We're locking it in. We're stewarding the divine. I said we're stewarding the divine. And again, he's not abolishing the rules. He's not taking away. He's not, well, you, now you can go and live however you want. But, but, but have you fallen in love with the rules I put in place rather than me? And this is how you can please me. This is how you can satisfy me. This is how you can have a commitment and a relationship with me. And if you'll seek me, those things will become a byproduct, not the priority. Reading your Bible won't be, I got to get it in. It'll be, man, Father, I'm in so I'm so in love with you. I've got to be in your word. Show me your word today. Prayer, attending church, witnessing, sharing your faith. All those things won't be burdensome obligations in your life anymore. They'll be a, 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 just a loving commitment with the Father. And then as a result, look at what flows out of this. 
I got to be in your word. I've got to be in conversation relationship with you. I've got to be communing with you. I've got to be spending time with you. I've got to be in your house amongst your people. That's your bride. You value your bride. You love your bride. I've got to be telling people about you. I got to be sharing my faith. I've got to be witnessing. I've got to become, uh, uh, I've got to take even the, com- the great commission, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover, casting out demons, pushing back. Dark. All of that won't be a burdensome obligation anymore. It'll become what comes out of your heart because I love him so much. Not the move of God, but the God of the move. He's quickly showing this rich young ruler. He's got to locate him first. You know, there's there's nothing worse than trying to help someone that doesn't want to be helped or trying to help someone that doesn't know they need help. This guy thinks he's coming to Jesus with everything he's already done right. I'm running, I'm kneeling, I'm asking, I'm submitting. What do I need? To, what, what, well, how can I inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus says, you're, you're, you're running, but you're pursuing the wrong thing. You're kneeling, but you're submitted to the wrong thing. You're asking, but you're asking the wrong questions with the wrong heart. I've got to locate you first. I've got to show you, you don't even know what good is yet. I've got to show you that I am not the, the, just the one that gives the rules and you just live by these principles and these guidelines. I'm a person. I'm the father. I'm here to represent the father. I'm here to show you I am the way, the truth, and the life. He answered and he said, teacher, All these things I have kept, I have kept, I have kept. This is a young man that knows how to obtain. This is a young man that knows how to keep. I've kept. And now he's asking, how can I inherit eternal life? But he's asking, how can I ask, how how can I inherit eternal life? to add it to the list of everything else that I've done. This is an investor. You know what investors look for? Investment opportunities. He sees a great opportunity to make an investment. He sees a great opportunity. But see, this is the thing about investment. Investment always has a risk involved. And every investor has to count the cost, has to weigh the risk. Is what I'm giving up worth what I think I will gain in return? And Jesus is about to help him find out where he's at. It's as if, you know, this is like a Shark Tank tank TV show. Now he's sitting in the, in the, the shark chair. Will I invest in this? Now, typically when someone's selling a product, you know, they're, they're trying to help the person making the investment. How can we make it comfortable? What do you feel comfortable with? What level of investment? How much in return? And Jesus is about to show this man, it's going to cost you everything. And in return, you're going to get something that's intangible. In, in return, you're not going to get what you think 
you're going to get. You're, you're asking for eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. He says, for I have kept from my youth. So watch what Jesus responds with. Then Jesus, looking at him, I love this, loved him. You know what that means? He valued him. See, when you truly love someone, value someone, you'll tell them even what they don't want to hear. If you only have people around you that tell you what you want to hear, they don't love you. They want to make you feel good. They want you to be their friend. They want you, they want to be on your side. But he loved him. He told him what was hard to hear. He loved him. He told him what was hard to receive. He loved him, valued him, honored him, and said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, intangible, in a spiritual place. Then he says, right there, right there, he's already got him locked up a little bit. But then he says, and come, take up the cross. <laughs> he, he said, here's what it's going to cost you, everything. And here's what you get in return, a cross. You get to die for my sake. And what do you think is going through his head when he hears take up the cross? There ain't no churches talking about take up your cross and follow Jesus. When he says the word cross, what do you think's going in his in his brain? What do you think he's picturing? He's he, he's picturing a Roman tool of torture and persecution, murder. He's not picturing what you and I picture little things that we hang around our necklace. They did not wear cross necklaces back then. That was not something that you celebrated. That was not something you wanted. That was not something you honored. That was not something you desired. And there was no Jesus hanging on the cross because he hadn't gone to the cross. The only semblance of anything that he has right now is, you mean the way that we see people tortuously die day in and day out at the hands of the Romans? You gotta be kidding me. You're out of your mind. I'm going to go sell everything I have, give up all my riches, all my wealth, all my investments, all that I've gained, and then in return, you're going to tell me that I can come follow you and I can die on a cross with you? You're nuts. This is the trade-off. You came asking me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I've kept the rules. Why can't I join you? I've done the things. I've answered the questions. I've asked the questions. I measure up naturally. I measure up by the rules. I measure up. I'm a success. Look at me. I must be doing something right. That's what they love to point at. I must be doing something right. Look at all the people following me. I must be doing something right. Look at all the 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 the, the things that the, the results and the products of my ministry. I must be doing something right. And they weigh their success on the natural 
rather than how are you stewarding the divine? How are you managing the divine? See, this was the thing was, see, his disciples, they understood this cost. They understood. We're going we're gonna to go to the end with this thing. And they did. Every single one of them lost their life in a tortuous manner. Some of them literally did take up their cross. Peter told them, if you're going to hang me on a cross, you can't hang me like you did Jesus. They hung him upside down. They obliged his request. You want to make it worse for yourself? Sure, we'll do that. I know this makes it real. I know that this brings it home. I know that this really silences the crowd. You don't get a lot of amens and running around the room on this stuff, but we've got to steward these things. If we're just chasing after the grand, the grandiose results and the, the followings and the people and the dynamics and, the, and the, uh, what we think is success to mankind, we're going to end up sorrowful. It says he went away sorrowful for he had many possessions. Those will be the very thing, the chasing after the, uh, the look of success and the, the, the exposure and what it looks like on the outside will be the very thing that keeps us from pursuing and possessing what we think we're searching after. A man that came running, kneeling, asking, submitting, checking all the boxes, finds out that really my heart's in the wrong place. That really I've invested in the wrong things. He's not asking for his stuff. I'll go ahead and put it out there. I think we understand this as a church, but he's not asking them to be poor. Don't let this fit into your doctrinal version of Jesus that Jesus was just a poor man and that we have to live poor and abased and we can't ever have any pleasures or anything in life because it'll get in the way. It's the the deceitfulness of riches and it's the uh, money is the root of all evil. We understand these things, but he understood this. Jesus understood this. If I'm going to get to you, I've got to go through your stuff first. And everybody's got a one thing. Everybody's got a one thing. And you might be surprised with what the one thing is. You don't even, and this is the thing. We don't know what we value until it's asked of us. You don't know what you're willing to give up until it's asked of you. I just know I don't want to be in the position where the Lord asks for the one thing And we get down to, we're just talking about one thing. But it's everything. So find out real quick, are you in love with me? Are you in love with what I can do for you? Are you in love with me unless I ask for that? Do you want to follow me unless it requires this, costs you this? Hmm. It says he was sad at this word, went away sorrowful, 
for he had great possessions. Hallelujah. So, he wants to redefine what we think is good. He wants to help us understand that the rules, the boxes, the law, it's there not to for us to fall in love with, but it's to bring us, it's to show what a relationship with him truly looks like. And at the end of the day, what are we really willing to give up to follow? What are we really willing to lay down? What are we really willing to sacrifice? See, this young man was good at keeping, getting, obtaining. How can I gain How can I get eternal life? I have kept all the law. So Jesus says, I need to find out if this guy can give. Because at the end of the day, what I'm going to ask of you is your life. We're not going to be able to follow Jesus because we're good at getting things. We're going to have to follow Jesus because we get good at giving, giving away. You've told me all about what you want to get. You've told me all about that, all about what you have gained and what you are keeping. But can you give? Can you let go of? Can you lay down? Can you sacrifice? Can you pay the price? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.